named Shushako Endo, who's a Japanese Catholic. You may have heard about it. It's a movie right now in the theaters. Um, it's a story. It's about two Jesuit priests that sneak into 17th century Japan to go and find their lost mentor, their teacher. And I know right now, Japan is probably one of the least Christian nations in the world. Um, but there was, at one point, before it got violently stamped out, a, a thriving local Japanese church. I mean, there were Catholic missionaries there. And so what this story is about is about how these two young men sneak in and try and make sense of all the, the carnage that the persecution of the local church has, has wreaked. Right? Of where is God in all of this? As the missionaries are being tortured, as, as the local church is being killed and persecuted. And why, why is it when we want God to speak most clearly and we turn to him and this is all we hear? It seems like we get crickets. And it's, it's not a new question. It's an old question. You can find it in the Psalms. God, why are you so far from the words of my groaning? That's Psalm 22. I cry out to you day and night, but I find no rest. God, I know you speak. This is what our, my theology teaches me, but why does it seem like you're so quiet right now? And it's a, this is important to see. This is what Hebrews is about, and it's important because this is what happens to all of us at some point as a Christian, is that circumstances, for good or bad, will take place, and you'll turn to talk to God, and at times it's going to seem like he's silent. not saying he is silent, but that's our experience. I mean, C.S. Lewis, I'm going to give you some examples of, of godly, well-known theologians, men, or people who, are, who would seemingly be up here on the road to sanctification above me. Right, the, the C.S. Lewis at one point said that God whispers to us in our, in our pleasure, but he shouts in our suffering. But then after he lost his wife, I mean, he said... You go to God when your need is desperate and all other help is vain. And what do you find? A door slammed in your face and the sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. And after that, silence. You might as well turn away. Because the longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. I mean, he's just echoing the Psalms. Why are you so far from my words, God? Why won't you say something? Or John Owen. He's... Probably one of the most um, talented English theologians we have in the history of the church. He's another one from the 1700s. He could read the Bible in Greek and in Hebrew. He communicated in Latin. Right? He, was, he was very smart. And he said, I preached for several years, but I had but very little of any actual experience of God's presence in Jesus until the Lord was pleased to put me through suffering. And all he's saying is, God, I was your servant. I talked about you all the time. But there were I would talk, turn to you, and it was a long time until I suffered before I actually had a sense of you speaking to me. And so, as we look at Hebrews, I mean, this is the, que the big question. God, where are you in the midst of suffering? What do you, what do you have to say for yourself? And if you were to come into my office and ask these same questions, that's when we say, yeah, God, God's going to be silent. 
but he has spoken. <laughs> and so we need, we need a theology, an understanding of how God speaks to prepare ourselves for suffering and to carry us through. That God really is speaking. He speaks week in and week out to us through his Son. But we need to learn how to listen. And so, like I said, this is where Hebrews helps us. Because the book of Hebrews is less a book and more of a sermon. It, it's described as a word of exhortation of saying, this is a guy who's, saying, who's writing to a church, to these Christians who have found out that following Jesus is hard. They're getting mocked. They're getting made fun of. They're saying, it's, it was a lot easier when I didn't know this Jesus guy. And they're in danger of drifting away. And so it's written to say, don't give up. God has spoken an even better word. You will not find a much more clearer picture of who God is in his son, Jesus. Right. And so, this morning is what we're going to do. How do we make sense of God's silence and his speaking in the midst of sorrow and suffering? Where do we go to hear him? And so let's look at Hebrews I'll read it again, verses 1 to 3. It says, I'll just read verse 1. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And so the first thing that he's telling us is that God has not been silent. That this is the, the very core of who the God of the Bible is. That he is a God, as we saw illustrated by Colin and Eben, he is a God who's turned his face to us and spoken. And in the past... It was done to, through the prophets, uh, the, these men that God had worked through, uh, Moses, Abraham, uh, Elijah, Elisha, the whole Old Testament. So it's saying that literally in many different ways, in bits and pieces, God revealed himself. He spoke. I mean, you could get glimpses of, of God's holiness. You could get glimpses of God's mercy. You could hear little bits and pieces throughout time of who God is throughout the Old Testament. But there was always something missing. Right? It was always, God, you say you're holy, but what about your mercy? You say you're merciful, but what about your holiness? How do we put all these things together? And, and so the, the writer of the Hebrews says, now, in these last days, saying right now, God has spoken to us in his Son. So do you hear the contrast? That God was speaking before, but right now, in these last days, the last days are just the time from Jesus' resurrection till he comes again, right? It's not, it's not saying, it's just the, the time after Jesus' death and resurrection. So right now, that you will not find a more clearer communication from God than Jesus, his son. That the best communication, the clearest communication you, we have, that everything we need for faith and godliness can be found in the Bible, yes. But it's seen and heard, this God speaking to us in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. It's a big thing. He's saying what we have now is better than what, we, what came before. It was good then, but this is better. And so if, if you hear me saying what I'm saying, there's, there's several implications here. I want to help you think through, and, and we need to work out. I mean, one, just, just be in, a, in awe that God speaks. I mean, is there, as we saw illustrated by the, the boys this morning, is there anything more personal 
and somebody turning their face to you, looking you in the eyes, so to speak, and telling them about themselves. This is what, what the letter of the Hebrews is saying, that God wants to be known. He wants to be loved. He wants to be experienced. He's revealing himself. He's inviting us just by speaking to us into a relationship with him. Right? And it's not in a, I, I'm so lonely, I need someone to talk to me sort of way. It's the creator of all things has humbled himself to come down and say, I want to make room for you in my life, so to speak. He doesn't leave us to our imagination to just guess that what he's like. He doesn't leave us to um, put out our preferences and say, I, I want God to be like this. He says, no, I am a person who speaks, who communicates to you what I'm like, what, I, what makes me sad, what makes me angry, what offends me, what makes me smile. That's what, that's what our theology of the scriptures teach us. And it's, it's amazing. This is the doctrine of revelation, that God communicates. Right? That he's immensely approachable and personable. That's, that's one of the things that's teaching us. I mean, just, just think about the act of communication with me. Um, how hard it is to communicate when you speak the same language. Right? And for the creator of the cosmos, someone whose wisdom is infinitely beyond our, our own, who's been communicating among himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for eternity, what would it take for him to tell us something that we actually understand? He would have to come all the way down to humble himself, to speak clearly. And you know what John Calvin said this was like? That it was just like a parent babbling to a young child. That we want our children to understand us, and so we, we come down into their world and we speak their language. We babble, we coo, we condescend, we humble ourselves, and we look ridiculous if somebody else walks in the room as you're just you know, making faces to this cute little child. That's the doctrine of revelation. That God loves you so much that he has spoken to you, and he's made himself understood. That's an astounding thing. I mean, just think about texting. How hard it is to communicate what you mean through words alone. It's a blessing and a curse, because you can say the same thing with different emotions, and when you can see someone's face, that matters. And this is free counseling advice. Don't, don't argue over text, because <laughs> you don't really know what they mean and what they look like. And so we're being told that God has communicated First through word, but ultimately through his, through his son as a person. So you can see God's face in his son. All right, and so, as I say, don't take this for granted. I know this is like Christianity 101, that God speaks to us in his word, that the whole thing is helpful and useful for training and rebuking and showing us what God is, what God is like. But when, when life gets hard and you turn and say, God, where are you? Speak to me. You, ha you have to have a rock to stand on. You got to go know, know where to turn to. And the writer of the Hebrews is saying it's God's final and full revelation of himself in his son Jesus. He's not, he has not been silent. You're given a face 
to filter everything that is in the scriptures through is Jesus. Because that's what the whole thing's about. Right. The silence of God will come, but you need to see that Jesus already bore the ultimate silence so that you could actually have God speak to you, even when it feels like he's far away. Now, we talked about the good news side. There's also a hardness to this. I mean, there's, there's a tender side that God would humble himself and reveal himself. But if Jesus is, and he is, that the full and ultimate picture of God communicating to us, that means to find out what God is like, you can't turn anywhere else. Which means you might find good things in the Quran or in other religions, but one of the, th the hard part of what this is communicating is you're not going to find a clear, actual, truthful, personal revelation of who God is. Because right? look, look what it says about him in Jesus in verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of God's nature. That when you look at Jesus, you see the Father. And I know that sounds narrow. Of course it is. Because right? we say, what about other religions? Is God speaking through them? They do. And they generally, they do, there are good things in other religions. And, and there are people outside of the church that do better things than I do. But why should I only listen to Jesus? It's so narrow. But think of the nature of communication. It's a relationship. And if you're, you're in a relationship... A relationship, by definition, has to be narrow. Every relationship you're in has some kind of deal breaker. For, for there to be intimacy, for you to really know somebody, you have to accept the fact that they have standards and uh, they have things that if you do, that'll be so far across the line that the relationship will be cut off. And, and God is saying that the way to have a relationship with me is through my son. Through, through what I've revealed to you in my word. And I know in our culture says, well, it doesn't really matter what you believe, as long as it's helpful. It doesn't matter where you hear God's voice, as long as it's practical. But try and say that to your spouse. <laughs> no, don't, don't really, but you know, turn, around, turn around and say to them, all right, to anyone that you're in an actual relationship with, that I love you, I hear what you're saying right now, and I don't really care what you're like as long as you're useful to me. <laughs> I mean, isn't that not the implication? Well, I'm being a little bit snarky, but that's because I'm from, <laughs> from the North. But also, I mean, that we're being told over and over again, I mean, you're going to get this at work and among your friends, that it's arrogant to say your religion's right and, and mine's wrong. And, and what God is saying, no, look, I've revealed myself to you. Why would you want to turn and listen to any other voices? And in fact, if you run somewhere else, um, if you, you say, I'm only going to listen to God when I like what he says, you're not really worshiping a God you, who's revealed himself. You're just saying, I want God to be like me. I mean, Keller has this great illustration of using the, the movie The Stepford Wives. Right? These men who realized that the women didn't do what they wanted, so they replaced them with robots who automatically said, yes, dear. <laughs> and that if you reject God's revelation and say God's going to be what I like him to be. You don't have a real God. You don't have a personal relationship. You've got a Stepford God. 
And so what, what the letter to the Hebrews is saying, what God's Word is saying, what He's saying to you and to me this morning, that there's a hard, tender truth. I've revealed myself, but you have to go to Jesus if you want to know what I'm like and how to be in relationship to me. If you want me to be of any help, if you want to hear my voice, you have to come to His Son. You might be able to hear him in the woods. It's beautiful. But you're not going to hear about his tender mercy. You're not going to have a face, a person. So, how does that work? What, is, what does Jesus have to say to us? Right? If God has not been silent, he's spoken to us, how do we put that to work? And we're told here just on who Jesus is. Listen to the descriptions. In verse 2 or 3, Jesus is the heir of all things. He's the one who created the world. He's the one who sustains all things through the word of his power. I mean, this is talking about a human being, God come in the flesh. I mean, this is huge. He's the radiance of God's glory. You, you look at Jesus, he is the exact imprint of his heavenly Father. That if you look at Jesus the Son, um, you see exactly what God is like. I mean, this is what one, one commentator says, this is nosebleed Christology. You can't say much anything higher about who Jesus is. Jesus was there at creation. Then when God spoke and said, let there be light, the word Jesus was there. Jesus created the world. And there's more than that. He sustains all things. This is how God speaks to us. He's saying, this Jesus is holding everything together right now just through the word of his power. Which is good news. I mean, just think about it. It's, Jesus is not so far off that he doesn't care about us or our world. He's, he's still speaking. He's holding everything together right now. The reason we can take a breath and continue is because of God's, because of Jesus' power. He's got all authority in heaven and on earth. He's sitting at God's right hand. That's what that picture means. Like Jesus is in control. God has made him and said, you've got this. The world's in your hands. Infinite cosmic power Jesus has. And he's bound himself to us. He sustains all things. And one of the simple ways to think about it, right now, the, the earth, we're told by science, that it's, it's tilted at a 23-degree angle. And science will tell us that if it tilts one way or the other, then all the vapors of the oceans are going to run to the north and south poles and it's going to develop monstrous continents of ice, and life would no longer continue. And, and the more scientists get to know about the world, I'm, I'm not a scientist here, I'm telling you what I've, what I've read. Um, they're realizing just how much has to be true just for life to continue. I mean, just for life to start from the get-go, it's something like 10 to the 282nd power. Like of 322 different things that have to be exactly right just for us to be alive. And it's saying that Jesus in his wisdom through the word of his power created it and keeps things going. This, this is how God speaks to us. He says, I'm in control. Look at Jesus. It also says he's the heir of all things, that this magnificent creation was actually made for him. Jesus is the center of the universe. Sorry to break the bad news. It's not you. 
that God made the earth for Jesus' pleasure and glory, and that human beings were made to enjoy, but really to be enjoyed by God the Son, Jesus. And so when the psalmist says the heavens and the earth speak to us in their beauty and communicate the glory of God, that he's real, the, the sunsets, the mountains, the oceans, I mean, just all the majestic things we spend big money just to go see and stand and, and you know, just be in awe of. It's beautiful because God wanted to impress the sun. He gave it to him as a gift. Stephen Hawking says our galaxy is more than 100,000 light years in diameter. Right? It's how far light can travel in one year, 186,000 miles per second. And our galaxy is only, at 600 trillion miles, and our galaxy is only one of 100,000 million galaxies. Just to blow your mind. <laughs> and all of that was made for the sun, who is the heir of all things. And there's more. I mean, this is God telling us who he is, what he's done, and why the world is the way it is. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, and you can see God's glory in him. And what the original hearers would have heard was, you can see God's glory? Like, really see it? Because in the past, all they could get was a glimpse of, of a cloud or a burning fire, a pillar of fire, remember, in the, in the, in the desert. Uh, Abraham, he saw just lightning and fire, these two little things just walking through the pieces. Uh, in the tabernacle, God's glory would come down, and it was like this bright light but they, didn't really, they weren't really able to see it. Even Moses, as faithful as he was, the only piece of God's glory, of what God was like, the only thing you could see was God's backside. And God had to hide him to protect him. And in the past, people could get a glimpse of God's holiness, his mercy, his, his goodness, his truth. But they were terrified just to get a glimpse and the writer of the Hebrews is saying, no, in Jesus, you can see the full thing. Right, if there's a dimmer switch, right, they only got, the Old Testament only saw the, just the smallest amount of light, and it's saying it's all the way up in Jesus. And that God has spoken and revealed himself, shown his glory, and given him a form that we can understand, that we can see. Right? He's just like his father. You can see everything. I heard it yesterday at Presbytery that I look like my dad. I said something that reminded them of my dad. And uh, I'm different than my dad. I'm I mean, you can tell in pictures that we look alike. My grandmother, for years who couldn't see, see well, would turn around and say, oh, you look just like your dad. This uses even more precise language. As the son is, so is the father. There's, no, there's no, no part of God, as he's revealed himself, to, that, that we cannot see in the sun. And so, everything, if you want to know what God is like, if you want to hear God speaking, the writer of the Hebrews is saying it in the highest possible language. You can't turn anywhere else other than Jesus, God, God's own son, that Jesus dwarfs everything that came before it's the same thing that was said, that we're told in Matthew. In Matthew 17, and when Jesus goes up on the mountain with his friends, Peter, Peter, James, and John, 
and they get a glimpse of his glory, Jesus all of a sudden shines really bright, his clothes turn white, and Moses and Elijah show up. And Peter just starts babbling like a fool and says, well, let's just pitch them a tent. And then all of a sudden this booming voice comes from heaven and says, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And Moses and Elijah are no longer in view. And literally the, the glory just dwarfed them, swallowed them up. They weren't seen because Jesus was the center of attention. And Peter later on would say, you know, if we talk about this Christianity thing, we weren't making it up. It wasn't missed. We heard that voice on the mountain. We were eyewitnesses of his glory. God has revealed himself in his son. Listen to him. So, how do we listen to that? I just showed you Jesus in about five minutes. Because on the one hand, we know that God speaks. And the other side, we've got his silence in the face of suffering. C.S. Lewis, I cried out and all I could hear was the double bolting of the door. What about Jesus are we supposed to listen to? What has he communicated the most clearly? And the only thing about Jesus' life that the writer of the Hebrew tells us here in this introduction is that Jesus made purification for our sins. She said, God speaks, I can't hear him. The writer of the Hebrew says, look, Jesus died for your sins. He made you pure. He made you clean. He brought you into God's presence. I mean, he's talking about the cross. And this is what Martin Lloyd-Jones would, would say. He was this old preacher, a revivalist preacher in, in Wales. And he said, this clearly is the very core of Christianity. This is what God wants to communicate most if this is the only part of Jesus' life that's highlighted is Jesus' death. Right, you got this picture of who he is, but what did he do on earth? He made purification for our sins. It's what he's speaking about. Now, you want to know where you see God's glory, how great he is, look at the death of his son. You know about God's power. Look at how he wins, even in, even in loss. If you want to know about God's mercy, look at, how, look at the Son giving his life for you. You want to know about his justice, look at the Son bearing the penalty for the sin that you deserve. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus making purification for your sins. That's what Jesus himself said. I will be glorified when I am exalted, when I am lifted up. And he was talking about his death in the Gospel of John. So the moment you will see that I am the heir of all things, that I am God come in the flesh, that I am the exact radiance of God's glory, it's going to be the moment where I stand there crucified for your sins and God's not going to speak to me. That's what he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, you think about it, what sin does, it makes us unclean. And when people are gross, you turn your back on them. I don't want to see them. I don't want to look at them. I don't want to talk to them. It's what sin makes us because we've offended a holy God. And to come to a God whose throne is founded on righteousness, right, that the only people in allowed are those who are perfect, and the, whose throne is justice, meaning no small thing will be left untouched. You can't get away with anything. I mean, Hebrews 4 12 says the word of God is living and active. 
It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's discerning our thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. And nobody will be hidden from his sight. And so just chew on this. When you're in trouble and life hurts and we cry out to God to listen and to, to get our, his attention and we get silence, what do we think? Well, God must be punishing me. I must have done something. <laughs> the letter to the Hebrews is saying, look, look at the son. He's communicated. You belong to God your father. The price has been paid. Why would you not listen to him even as you suffer? Listen to Jesus, the great high priest, the only one to live a life unstained by sin, who then was, had God turn his back on him. Because that's where you get to see God's glory. And this is the bombshell of the gospel. You think about everything we said about who, who Jesus is, uh, that he's the heir of all things. Everything was made for Jesus and his glory and his pleasure and that he's, he's a son of God, somebody that God is absolutely thrilled with, enamored with, who's well pleased with. And the gospel turns it around and says, that's true of you. You're an heir in Christ. You are a son through faith in Christ. So you want to know who you are? Listen to Jesus speak to you as he dies. He makes purification for your sins. And so if you want to know God, I mean, yeah, read the Bible. I mean, read the Gospels. The Gospels are going to say, look at how small of a glimpse we saw in the past. Look how much clearer it is now in Jesus. But if, to really know him, you have to camp out at the foot of the cross. You say, God, I'm anxious. Jesus says, look, I'm, I'm sitting at the right hand of God. I died for you. What are you worried about? I'm going to bring you home. You just have to walk this journey of faith. All right, or God, I'm so ashamed. I mean, the very radiance of God's glory can be seen, and you won't be burned up. It's only your impurities that will be burned away. Listen to him. And God, I'm depressed. This is hard. I don't know if I can go on. I mean, the writer of the Hebrews is going to say, well, it was fitting that the author of your salvation uh, should be made perfect through suffering. Look at, look at the Jesus who stands here, who is here. I mean, this is 2 verse 12, where Jesus says, I will tell of your name to my brothers, talking to God, and in the midst of the congregation I will sing your praise. It's quoting Psalm 22 on the other side of death and resurrection. <laughs> of God saying, I am here speaking to you to say, I'm not ashamed of you. You are my brother. Let's sing the praises of our Father together. I'm going to lead the charge. Jesus is the great worship leader speaking for us. So, God has not been silent. <laughs> this is why I would argue um, as we talk about all this, why we should come to church regularly as best to the best of our ability because the place where God speaks most clearly, it's, it's, it's in his word um, preached as we look at the sun together. And we, can, we can have this experience at home, I'm sure. You can read the Bible. But ultimately what, what Hebrews is saying 
is that Jesus reveals himself to his people and he comes among them and say, I am not ashamed to call you my brothers. It's a communal, it's a congregational thing. And that even as you can't hear him, you get to sit under the preaching, under the teaching, to hear the scriptures read and say, God, I get to hear God say, I am here even though you can't hear me. And eventually, in the mystery of his providence, as the Holy Spirit blows, you'll, he'll wake you up. He'll show up. You, you can't predict it. You can't control it because Jesus is a person. And, and because of our sin, there's, it's a challenge. And William Cooper, it's a great song. Sometimes the light surprises the Christian when he sings. And all he's saying is, every once in a while, Christians come to church, coming to meet with God, and surprise, God's there. <laughs> he, he speaks to us. Right? And so, as you read the whole book of Hebrews, God's going to say today, you can hear God's voice in his Son, right here, right now. And as you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts like the people of old. They heard God speak, even in pieces. You get a much fuller picture. So don't be deceived by your sin. Don't give up on Jesus. Listen to him speak to you. He's speaking words of grace, of kindness, of welcome. He's saying, look, I've made purification for your sins. You are clean. I've got you. I'm going to carry you home. I will hold you fast, as we sang. And so, brief theology of preaching. You get to have a sinful guy show you what Jesus is like week in and week out. That's, what, that's why I want to show you the cross every week. Because I think that's what the scriptures tell us to do. Of what it means for our faith and how we live in light of it. That every week I'm going to, we're going to go into the Bible, say God speaks to us in his word ultimately and fully in his son. So when we're in the Old Testament, we're not going to stop there. We're always going to get to Jesus. And if we're in the New Testament, we're not just going to talk about how good he is. You have to see he's a savior because that's God speaking. That's his full communication. All right. So I get the privilege of being your pastor and say, I get to tell you that the cross applies even to this. That's my job description. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be emotional. Sometimes we're, not, we're going to say, God, where are you? I, I wish you would say something more clearly. But the scriptures are going to say, what more have I, can I say to you other than what I've already said in my son who's promised to bring you home where your faith will become sight? All right, so we want to say together, God has not been silent. Lord, help me listen. Give me ears to hear to help me live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself up for me. So that means the sermon's not about me, it's not about you. Jesus is the center of the universe. <laughs> and the funny thing that happens is as we come together and God the Father says, I want you to know me through the Son, the Holy Spirit comes and says, great, I want to, to show you the Son. That's his job description. I'm going to lift him up to you. And I do that when two or three are gathered in my name, in Jesus' name. So this is my prayer for us as a congregation, that we would become, and this is myself too, but we become mature listeners of God's word, that even if um, it's just a terrible sermon, because I'm going to have those from time to time, <laughs> that you can say, okay, well, what does this tell me about who Jesus is? Because that's where you hear God speaking. 
And so whoever is behind this pulpit, that's what it's about. It's not about who's here. It's about who Christ is. And that's how God makes us mature, uh, that we learn to listen to the Son and that we wait on him to, to make our, what's true in our heads to have him speak to our hearts. So hear the good news that God has not been silent. He's spoken to us through his crucified son. He now sits at the right hand of God the Father, and he is in control of your life with crucified hands. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have not left us alone, and I pray that as you have spoken to us this morning, uh, that we would have the wisdom to discard what's untrue and unhelpful, but most of all, that you would overwhelm our senses with the reality that you have spoken to us in your Son and that you will hold us fast. So help us to live by faith, faith in the one who um, despised the shame of the cross for the joy set before him uh, for us so that we might be with him for eternity. And so we look forward to hearing your voice with our ears. Um, but we thank you that you have spoken to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand and sing 642, Be Thou My Vision. <laughs>